Hey everyone, this is Drew Anderson, and this is the podcast I'm doing as kind of a companion piece to my book, No Longer Self-Evident. And again, I'm here with Josh McLemore, and again, this time live, which is awesome. I love getting to do these episodes live as opposed to online, but because we live a distance apart, it's hard to do. Uh, But we had the opportunity to do a couple now in a row live, which has been awesome. And again, my voice is a little scratchy because we're recording them uh, close together, back to back. So (laughs) I've got a scratchy voice right now, and so I apologize for that, but I'm going to try to speak up and speak clearly, and (laughs) that way, if you're listening, it doesn't sound terrible. Yeah, no, it's fine. Look, people get sick, man. It's, yeah, it's the yeah. Rona times. So that's, yeah. right, that's right. This is not the Rona, by the way. <laughs> Better not be, because yeah. I'm sitting not way too close to you. Not the Rona. Um, goodness gracious. Well, I'm I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to get into this. So this is episode four of the show, but chapter three of your book. That's right. Um, I don't have the the full name of the chapter in front of me. Is it churches aren't bubbles? Yeah. Uh, yeah okay, yeah, so yeah. it's just churches not bubbles. I know we changed some of the titles to make them a little shorter. Churches are not bubbles. Um, that's it. But that's the title of the episode and the chapter. Churches aren't bubbles. So why don't you just go ahead and give us the context of that? Like, what do you mean churches aren't bubbles? Yeah. So when we think about bubbles, of course, my mind immediately goes to the movie Bubble Boy. Um, isn't that the name of the movie? That's a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, that's the idea, though. This whole like safety bubble, mm, right? Okay. The idea of a bubble is being a safe place, comfort zone, um, more than safe place. Because I don't want to get into the whole conversation around safe space. Because <laughs> churches should be a safe space, um, but bubble as in comfort zone, as in I protect myself from anything that might hurt me, mm. right? Nothing that's uncomfortable. Um, I got to keep everything where it won't hurt me. And then it amps up a level once you have parents with kids. And this idea that, like, I have to keep them from anything bad in the world. They can't experience anything bad in the world. I got to put them in this bubble because if they experience anything bad, I'm a bad parent. And and we know that's unrealistic. And we know it's not healthy, that it's actually healthier for a kid to learn how to go through the difficult things in life. But um, doing it under, you know, the the tutelage of a parent who's been through bad things in their life. Um, And so creating bubbles is not a good thing at the end of the day. We don't, we should not create bubbles in our life. And yet the church, for whatever reason, um, is really good at creating bubbles, at creating these little church bubbles around Mm -hmm. ourselves and where we're only around church people and really only the church people that go to our church and believe everything I believe or vote for the person I vote for. That's really a difficult topic right now, right? And so these bubbles, uh, they they become a problem. They become a problem because they, one, insulate us from the difficult things in this world, which uh, is the very reason Jesus came to the world was to enter into the difficult spaces and bring the gospel, bring hope and joy and peace and love. Um, and so... So one, it, it works against the very reason we say we exist as Christians and as the church. Um, but two, then it kind of creates this, um, this cyclical behavior in my life where I am, I am at all costs protecting my comfort. And, mm. and my Christianity becomes more about my comfort than it does about Jesus. And so we start to idolize comfort and... Um, comfort is something our, uh, as, as Americans, Western Americans who are very prosperous, um, we, we already lean towards worshiping. I mean, uh, everything about our lives is about comfort and convenience, right? And so that's not necessarily inherently bad, but in a Christian worldview, 
it can work against what God wants to actually do in our lives. That there are very powerful things God wants to do in our lives through pain, through difficulty, through us going into difficult situations that aren't even our own, but we enter into them for the sake of others. And when we're building a bubble, um, it does not allow us to do that. Yeah. <laughs> If people aren't allowed into our lives, we're not allowed into their lives because the bubble's in the way. And sometimes we do it intentionally, but a lot of the times we do it unintentionally. And we find ourselves, you wake up one day and you realize that all of a sudden you're in this bubble and you don't have any friends, like genuine friends that don't know Jesus, uh, which is a problem. Uh, and you aren't in spaces where there are people who need the hope of Jesus and the love of Christ and and or you enter into those spaces and you only do it in a very shallow way. Mm. You, you keep the bubble up and you never allow people in and you don't actually get into their lives and um, and it's just a problem. It's a big problem in the church. Yeah. So there's a ton in there that I, I want to talk about because yeah. um, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we said we didn't want to talk about safe spaces because that's become this kind of buzzword but um not for nothing we call the place a sanctuary that's that's right um and that is that is exactly what that word means for someone is that would be a place that's safe a place that you could and so here's here's where this becomes messy because it's true that's true that's right we want it to be a safe a safe place for people but i think a lot of times when we do build bubbles um they're mostly about our safety yes. and our comfort yes. and not the other people that are in the space with us. Yes. And so the question yes. becomes, who is it safe for? That's right. Are you creating a space that's safe for you? That's right. Are you creating a space that's safe for everybody? That's right. And I think a lot of churches kind of miss the mark on this one um, because what it really boils down to, it's about my comfort and mm-hmm. my safety, mm-hmm. the music I want to hear, the mm-hmm. kind of preaching that I want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um the kind of thing, the kind of theology that makes me comfortable mm. at the end of the day, mm. um, the messages that pertain to the things that only I'm going through, mm-hmm. and when it's anything that's not checking one of those boxes, it's not good to that person. Mm-hmm. But who are the other people around you in that's your churches? Right. That's right. Um, do do people feel safe in your church? Yeah. And and I think a lot of times they don't. Yeah. One of the things I asked um, our student ministry one time is. I said, look around you, um, look look in the room, look at the people who are in the room, um, and what kinds of people are not here, and why? And what could we do that would create a space where people that are not here would want to be here? Yeah. Um, and I think we, we as churches probably need to have that conversation more than we do. Mm-hmm. Because when you look around, the people that are around you are there for, for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um Various reasons, right? But they're around you for reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them, and probably not the least of, of it for most of them, is that they feel comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when people stop feeling comfortable and safe is when they start raising issues. Some of them good, some of them bad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we could, That's a different, a different conversation. But when we have crafted church around our comfort and not the comfort of our fellow man, mm-hmm. then I think we're doing, we're doing a disservice to what the church could be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we do when we do that, uh, and when we end up realizing that not only our church might be a bubble, but our lives might be bubbles, mm-hmm. as you were kind of bringing up, mm-hmm. is what happens then is you've put yourself in an echo chamber yep. where you're only hearing the things that you agree with. Yep. 
you're only hearing the things that you already are set on, yeah. that you already believe. Yeah. Um, when you're not exposing yourself to other ideas and hearing other people, you're not understanding other people. Yeah. And the thing is, is the reason, and this is, I guess, it should be obvious, but I think it's not. So this is why I want to say it this way, is that you do that because we want the validation of knowing that we're right. Yes. And those people are wrong. Yes. Um, which is not helpful if you're then supposed to go out and present the gospel. To them. But the reality is I think when we fall into the worst versions of this, that's never what we wanted in the first place. Yes, that's right. We didn't want that. That's right. We have to just kind of come to accept it. That like, yeah. That's not what we want. When we put yeah. ourselves in these situations, yeah. that is obviously, like very obviously by our actions, not what we want. And before people get snippy, um, I realize this about myself all the time. Yes. I mean, yeah. I work in a church, yeah. and you do too. Yeah. Um, and very often, especially if you work in a church, you will look around and be like, I know nobody but church people. Yeah. yeah. I know no one but people that I go to church with. Yeah. Or people from other churches, if you're in yes. a church that is willing to work with other churches. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, that has to be addressed. It has to yeah. be brought up because yeah. it is not it is not representative of what Jesus is asking us to do. Um, it's not representative of what um, the gospel message is about. That's right. Um, because it was never about your comfort and it was never about your safety. That's right. Uh, and I'm saying that to me as much as I'm saying it to everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Um, for sure. Well, I mean, Jesus ends up <clears throat> right. He's with his disciples and they're traveling and, uh, the Jews would typically avoid Samaria and mm-hmm. avoid Samaritans. And where's Jesus end up right in the middle of Samaria, <laughs> right. sitting at a well with a woman who people knew was trouble, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. And, uh, and that was Jesus. Like, that was his M.O. Yep. To the point where he's accused by the religious leaders of being a drunkard and a glutton. Yeah. Because he hangs out with drunkards and gluttons. And and it, and it, it's just so much a part of the testimony of who Jesus is and the gospel then. Yeah. That for us to be, to be af- almost afraid to be accused of those things or to be so far on the other end of the spectrum, to mm-hmm. be far more like the religious leaders who are accusing Jesus of those things than Jesus himself, then it then it's a critique of our own Christianity at that point, right? Yeah, and, and look, that story, um, you know, I, I was reading through this story just the other day, um, and the conversation that she has with Jesus is, you know, your people say we're supposed to worship over here, and my people say we're supposed to worship over here. That is a conversation about bubbles. Yes. That's a conversation about where is the right place. Yes. Where, where, and Jesus' answer is, well, we're about to come to a time where yeah. people ain't going to worship in either of those That's places. Right. And it's a conversation, this is very applicable to our day-to-day, and people don't, I don't know why people don't go here with this story, but it's a conversation about race. Oh, yeah, about absolutely. About race relations, right? you got a, a a racial division, an ethnic division. That's yep. the correct language. Ethnic division between the Samaritans and the Jews. And she brings it up. Yeah. Hey, your ethnicity worships over there and in that way. And our ethnicity worships over here and in this way. And Jesus has none of it. Yeah. Just has none of it. He's like, no, there's going to be a time where we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. Both what she brought up. The two mm-hmm. things, differences she brought up. Jesus is like, no, together. Together. That's yeah. where God is. And I, and. And so he wasn't living in a bubble, and then he burst right into her bubble, mm-hmm. and their bubbles collided, right? And Well, he didn't have a bubble. But either way, the, the, there was no bubble in that conversation, right. right? 
Jesus didn't allow for it to happen. And, and, and so we shouldn't either. We shouldn't either. And I just saw a great quote about this the other day where it said, the, the way in which you listen to those who disagree with you is the way in which you listen to God. Mm. So if you can't hear the people who disagree with you, you can't hear God. Yeah. And I thought that was fantastic. It's not talking about God's talking through the people you disagree with. He may be. But what they're saying is that that if you can't listen to people you can't disagree with, then you may not actually be able to listen to what God has to say. Right, because very often we would disagree with God That's like on right. a natural on That's a natural right. level. If we're not if we are in ourselves offended at times by scripture because it's confronting things in us, yeah. then we may not actually be hearing the voice of God. And so if we're able to be confronted by God on things, we should also be able to be confronted by others be confronted by things we disagree with and not turn into these people who are are doing everything we can to protect ourselves from mm. anything that goes against what our little bubble says is true. Mm. And when we turn into those people where we're just going to war against anything that might affect my comfort and my convenience, then we are not acting like Christians in that moment. We yeah. just aren't. Yeah. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell me, like, where where does this come from? Where, like, what story in your life has this chapter kind of come out of? Yeah, so this is directly related to um, working in a church, actually. Okay. So where this came has come out of over my time in working in churches is two things within church cultures that happen within the organizational church, not the family of the church, family of leaders, but the kind of organizational institutional side of it when you have a job for a church. One of them is the idea of office hours. And I've always find, found it a very odd idea to begin with um, that someone who works for a church would have office hours. I get that there has to be some degree with which when you're leading a group of people, those people need to be, get, be able to get in touch with you. Mm -hmm. That's one issue. But the idea that I need to find myself in an office in a building in the city and that people know how to find me if they need me. That kind of mentality is just so opposite of what we see of Jesus. <laughs> now, he spent very cuz it's cuz cuz when a when someone's holed up in an office, one, they're not even spending time with their disciples, quote unquote, right? Jesus spent time with his disciples where they were in their homes, where they where they were working, wherever, out in the community, he was with his disciples, so sitting in an office isn't even spending time with disciples, other believers, most of the time. And it's definitely not spending time out in the community. Jesus was constantly walking the streets. He was constantly among the people. And and yes, we do need some time to ourselves. Jesus took that time with us and the Father. Um, but but that's only a small percentage of what we what our lives should look like as a Christian. And the other two large percentages is being around the people who are believers, discipleship, and then being out in the community, around mm -hmm. around the people of the community. And those two chunks of time need to be large. They don't need to be small. But in the church world, a lot of the times once you get into lead roles, especially the the teaching is basically, you know, you need to spend this many hours on sermon prep which is you by yourself most of the time for most people who think about sermon prep yep. not for me because i do sermon prep differently and i like to have conversations around it but 
for a lot of people, it's them by themselves for 15, 20 hours a week. I mean, that's a huge chunk of time. And then it's all the meetings you need to be in. Again, you're not really being around disciples and doing discipleship and living life with people. Now you're just doing meetings with other Christians in order to further your organization. And so then someone's whole ministry ends up being insular. It's just them and maybe them with a few select other people and they're not even really in discipleship contexts very much, barely, if any. And they're definitely not out in the world, hardly. And that's, uh, sorry, okay. that, that's um, that's a problem, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's really a problem. And I had to deal with that. Am I going to, am I going to allow other people to impose these expectations of me that I need to be in the office at certain times for certain amount of time from from 8:30 to 4:30 I got to be in the office. Um like I I'm, I'm not going to do that. I don't think Jesus would have kept office hours. I just <laughs> he he would have people would have known how to get in touch with him. That's different. That's a different issue. But always knowing where he is all the time. Like I at one point it became a it came to a head in an organization I was a part of where like Everyone had to put all of their stuff into the Google Calendar for the organization so everyone could see where you were and what you were doing when you were doing it. And I just was like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense at any point. Like, Jesus would go off into the wilderness and his disciples couldn't even find him. Right. So there's going to be times I'm going to go away and you're not going to get to know where I go. Yeah. Because I need to. But then also... That just doesn't even make sense. Like, I I may have an appointment pop up, or I may need to go see someone and do ministry, do the real work of ministry, and I can't calendar all of that. Mm -hmm. Then the broader church side of it is this. We get so insular and bubble-oriented that all we do is start scheduling all of these events, and we schedule all, we fill our calendars with church people events. Mm. And then we try our best to make them, quote-unquote, friendly to (laughs) outsiders, so that they, we hope they'll show up to our church people events. Yeah. But really what we want is a church people event. We want the Christian version of fill in the blank. So the community has a fall festival. Well, we're going to do our Christian fall festival. <laughs> uh, the community has this. We're going to do our little Christian version of it for our little church. Right. And so we fill our calendar with events where we're only around other church people. And then on top of it, only the church people that go to our church all the time. I mean, I mean, probably 90-something percent of the time. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And it creates a bubble. That's a problem. And it just doesn't get us around the people we say we want Jesus to reach, right? Yeah. I, I had a um, I had a youth pastor friend who um, at one point we were having a conversation, and he was like, I'm like a travel agent oh, yes. for teenagers. Oh, man. And it, his whole life had become all of these trips that yeah. he was planning, and that was all he was doing. Yeah. Um, which look, programming is is important. There's something to be said for fellowship. Yes. Uh, obviously, that's a part of our mission as the church. Yes. When you look at the church in Acts, part of what they are doing is spending yes. time together and yes. fellowshipping together. And I love a good fun event. Right. Yeah. However, <laughs> if all that we are doing is planning activities yeah. for our members, yeah. at that point we're a club. Yeah. I mean, that's what we are. Yeah. Um. And, and look, that's something that churches have to take a hard look at themselves and go yeah. like, is that what we're doing? Yeah. Because it's easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. Because look, most of us are at a church because we like the people in that church. That's right. You hope you hope you do. You hope you do. Um, most people tend to leave when they don't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you like those people. You like spending time with them. That's right. But if all you're doing is creating events for those people, 
then you're only spending time with those people. You're only interacting with those people. Yeah. Um, and that, like I, like I said, it, it becomes an, an echo chamber for you. Yeah. Um, this office hours thing I want to hit on real quick. I know we got other places to go, but um, I know I know a lot of people. I could just hear people going, well, but but we pay you, so you have to be here. Yeah. Because I've had that conversation yeah. with, with people in yeah, churches yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I get that. Um, I think you said something really important. People ought to be know how to get in touch with you. Yes. Um, and not, not for nothing, we can do that easier than Jesus could have done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's much easier to yeah. find where you or I are than yeah, where Jesus that's was. Right. That's right. Um, so let's just put that out there. But the other thing is, I think that comes from this idea that's kind of, and we talk about how, how are we more American than Christian, so yeah. I, this is where this comes into play for me. Yeah. Churches try to run like businesses. Yes. And so in yes. a business... Yeah, you gotta you gotta be in the office. Customer service. You have to be there. That's right. You have to be. Well, you can't not be in the office. That's well, right. actually, I think what business world is learning is you actually can. That's right. Thank that's you. Right. Thank you, COVID nineteen. Yeah, that's, right. that's um, right. But which is why I think a lot of business is going to change after this. But that's true. but by and large, the church is kind of run on that same blueprint. That's right. Um, that's right. That same game plan of be here mm-hmm. because we're paying you, mm-hmm. and because we're paying you, we deserve to know what. I think the phrase that I hate and that I hear a lot in churches is we want to make sure we're getting the right bang for our buck. Yeah. And I want to, and every time I hear that, I want to just be like, um, am I pastoring people? It's ROI. It's return on investment. Yeah, exactly. And you'll hear that language in church circles. And so here's the thing, just like the image of God is in everything. Surely we can learn things from the business community as a church. Now, no doubting, no doubting that. I appreciate it. It's all well and good. However, the church is not a business. Nope. It will never be a business. The Bible never uses a business analogy. And unless you think businesses were invented by Americans, or invented <laughs> since the uh, Enlightenment period, um, the, the, the business community was thriving in Rome. Um, the church could have used, Paul could have used a business analogy for um, the church easily businesses were in existence it's not like businesses are a new concept in the concept in the history of humanity to today he chooses not to Mm -hmm. he chooses not to he uses a body analogy and a family analogy and i think there's a reason for that and so we've got to be very careful that while we can learn things from the business community can we become more efficient at things yes can we can we really use really good evaluative tools about how we're doing and are we doing effectively and how are we spending our time and is it effective? Yes, all of that is good. But as soon as the church begins to actually function like a business and Mm -hmm. it feels like a business and we're using more business language than biblical language, we've really got to start taking a hard look at ourselves. We really have to start taking a hard look at ourselves because we're really turning ourselves into a bubble. We're turning ourselves into our... Because at that point, who's your customer? If we're going to go down this business route, who's your customer? And most churches, even if they don't want to admit it or not, their customer are the people who have already connected to them. Yep. And so then they're going to turn everything inward. Everything's going to turn inward. All of their programming, all of their mentality, their entire mission as an organization, I don't care what they say in their actual mission statement, everything about the DNA of who they are will become a part of the people who have already connected to them. And unfortunately, we know that that is not the kingdom of God. But that is not the mission of Jesus. That yes, Jesus cares about those who are already connected to him. Of course he does. But But the parables about Jesus... I mean, leaving the 99 to go get the one, 
they're just radical, radically different than I'm going to just please the customer. Yeah. And um, and so we've we've got to be careful that we're not creating these bubbles, these echo chambers, these comfort zones, and that we're, we've actually thought through, hey, when I'm paying someone organizationally to be a leader of our church, what am I paying them for? And and the first answer should be to lead us in mission out into the world. Mm. The first answer should be, oh, well, to lead us forward in mission, to advance the kingdom of God in our community. Yeah. And what does that look like? It does not look like a business where I'm trying to get repeat customers. That's not how you advance a kingdom. <laughs> right. I hate to tell you, that that model and analogy doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to have to find another one because it's not to get repeat customers. That is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God yeah. is not about getting repeat customers. It's about taking the very presence of God and breaking it into the places in the world that need it the most. Yeah. So it's an outward mission. It will always be and has always been that because that is literally who Jesus was, God breaking into the world. And so and so the we've got to make a shift away from this kind of American business model version of church. Right. Um, and and get into this very missionary, mission-minded, get back to that um, that the early church had and that Jesus modeled for us yeah. very well. Well, look, uh, talking about church as a business, your deacon board would fire Paul because <laughs> he was working on the side. That's right, that's right. Uh, he was, he was out, out there selling tents. Paul, we need you to not right. sell tents. You know, we had a staff meeting today that's and right. you were out selling tents. That's um, right. But look, hey, let's go ahead and, and start to bring this thing in. So we like we know what the problem. We've established the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know kind of where this comes from. So like, yeah. you've already kind of you've already kind of started walking us there. But like, yeah. what do we do about? It? How do we do this better? Yeah. So I think we need to be intentional about expectations of our own leaders. So as leaders, we need to be intentional about our own schedules and our own lifestyles and our own rhythms of life. And then we need to, as organiz- as church people, expect our leaders to be leading us in mission first and not in church activities and comfort zone and programs. Like we should expect our leaders to be out in the community with people who are not believers and to have very intentional ways that they're doing that. It could be that they work a job in the community, that they're co-vocational in a sense, and um, and, and that they, they have a job where they're rubbing shoulders with people in the community that are are just working like that's what they do they go to work uh it could be that it could be that they have other ways that they're coaching a sports team with the rec department with the local rec department that they're in the schools um for whatever reason and that they're not doing any of it from a pastoral role right that they just as a person are in the community to love people period it's not i'm the pastor showing up into your space no you are just a believer. You're just being Jesus to the world. And we should have that expectation of our leaders. Mm. And we should, um, it should be a very serious expectation. And then the second expectation would be, are they discipling people? Are they, are they actually doing life with other believers in a way where they get to be transparent about their own lives and in a way where they get to allow others to be shaped as they watch their own relationship with God? So the, the leader is having a relationship with God and people are watching it now and they get to live life together. Are they living out that rhythm? And then thirdly, only then, should we then be expecting them to be doing the actual functioning of some sort of activities for church people. Yeah. I and mean, that's the irony, is we've got to lower on the totem pole 
what the expectations are around church activity. Um, gathering as God's people is good. It's a good thing. But you can't gather new people if you're not going to go to where those people are. You can't, you, you can't advance the kingdom if you're not going to actually be out in the world to advance the kingdom. And the more we just are in this cycle of only doing church activity, we will never fully fulfill the reason Jesus came and the great commission that he's given us to fulfill. And so we've got to shift our expectations and we've got to be mission first. We've got to be mission minded over, over just maintaining what we have. Second, we've got to be discipleship oriented, real life, life on life, going through the hard things in life, meeting people right where they're at, walking with them, um, being transparent with them about our own struggles and questions. And then and only then, our leaders should be at that point organizing the people of God and, and fulfilling those functions and those roles. And I think if we will have those healthy expectations of our leaders, it'll also cause us as believers to then be living the same way, yep. to view the job that we work as our mission field, to view our role in coaching a sports team locally as a mission opportunity to display the love of Jesus to people, to view our neighborhood as a mission field, and then to view those that are believers, who are brothers and sisters in Christ, who are around us as people that we can be in discipleship relationships with, to have real life on life, growing in a relationship with Jesus together. And then we get to view our church as like a third space. Hey, it's there. It's a great supportive community. We do some things together sometimes, like worship and like do an event here and there or take a mission trip. But that's not, the church is not the most the church is a piece of the puzzle, mm. and it is not the puzzle. It is not the end-all, be-all for my relationship with God and my relationship with this, this world. It's a part of it, but my relationship with God and the kingdom of God is much bigger than that. And I think it'll help us get out of these bubbles if we can make some of those shifts. Yeah, and, and real quick, I know we're almost out of time, but I do want to add to that idea. Uh, I think there are some people that may they go, oh, we do this already, like— um, our youth pastor goes and serves at FCA, right? But he's there in the capacity of a church person, right? right? Your pastor may be the chaplain at whatever, but they're there in the capacity of that. Yeah. So that's not actually doing the thing of missional work because yeah. they're there as a representative that way. Now, right. you can be a representative of Christ and just be a dude or a, or a girl in a place. Like, that's you don't right. have to be there as a pastor. And I think that's it's right. important to delineate between that. The other that's thing, right. too— with discipleship, you may say, oh, well, all of our staff members run a small group. Well, you just said it. They run a small That's group. Right. You've made that part of the job. It's That's now right. something they are, it's a product they're churning out, That's right. not a thing that they are getting That's from. Right. And so churches that are like, well, all of it, we do small groups. Yes, but is are the people in your churches, are the pastors in your churches, are they leading a small group? Because that's a job. Or are they part of a small group? Mm -hmm. Those are two different things. Because that's a life. And it's and it's easy to get them wrong that's right. and say, oh, we have small groups, so we're doing the discipleship thing. No, you are. But in, in the context of your workers, be really aware of how that time is being used for them. Is that another place where you're expecting them to perform? That's right. Or is that a place that is safe for them to do the actual work of discipleship um, and maybe even be discipled? Um, I, yes, they need to be discipling too, but is that a space that is allowing that or is that a space that you've made just part of the job? Yeah. Um, and then obviously the, the last one is pretty self-explanatory, 
I think we've we've hammered that home pretty well. I think yeah. people get that, but I wanted to make that yeah. addendum to the first two because yeah. I think sometimes churches will say, "Oh no, we do that," yeah. but the reality of what it is, and yeah. you said it, you said it really well. Where I don't care what your mission statement says. That's right. It matters what you're doing. Yeah. And very often in churches, yeah. the things we have on our mission statement, the thing that's on our website, the thing that we point people to about who we are and what yeah. we're about, yeah. number one, is probably not different than any other church in your town. <laughs> uh, and number two, probably doesn't accurately describe yeah. what your actions yeah. say is important. Yeah. And so yeah. churches, I think you need to pay attention to that yeah. um, because... It's really easy to fall yeah. into this trap yeah. because it is comfortable. Yeah. It's fun and nice and safe to be around people that think the way you do and yeah. do the things that you do and yeah. care about the things that you care about. Yeah. However, it is not super helpful yeah. uh, for advancing the kingdom of God. That's right. It just isn't. And I know we're trying to keep these episodes short, but I go ahead real quick. Hit us. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little long on this one. <laughs> Two things real quick, right? One on mission and one on discipleship, where I've seen this modeled well. If um, if you're doing something that you're calling mission, but the benefit is for you or for your church community, it's not mission. I hate to tell you. Mm. Um, it's you in a bubble still. You're just doing it. Your motivation around doing this quote-unquote mission is just to get more people to your church, um, is just for you to feel good, is just for you to be able to post about it on Instagram. Whatever, if the motivation is not fully to just give of yourself and receive nothing in return, um, you're not doing mission. You're not doing mission. You just aren't doing it. And and we got to check that. And then um, discipleship. I saw a pastor of this church one time I interned at. He and his wife were a part of a small group, a part of a small group. They did not lead it. Uh, another couple in the church led it. They intentionally did not lead it, and they were just there. And one of the nights, as intern, as an intern, they allowed us to be a part of their small group for the time I was interning because they wanted us to see it. And one of the nights, um, the pastor's wife broke down um, and started sharing some very personal things about her life. And I, I, they, they probably could see it on my face. I probably was wide-eyed because I had never seen a pastor's wife or a pastor be that vulnerable mm. ever, ever in my entire life. I'd always seen them put on the right mask and say the right things. And this, these were details about their life that I was like, oh my goodness, they're sharing this with these people? And, and it just gave me so much hope because I realized, hey, we can do this. Like, the church doesn't have to be a bubble. We don't have to fight for our comfort and convenience. We can actually be vulnerable and transparent and walk alongside one another and be the people of God um, in real ways. And so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. That discipleship, we have to take that seriously. Mm-hmm. That people need relationships. They don't need to just be doing a job. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we got to guard that, guard that with, with our lives <laughs> yeah, so that we don't become a bubble. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Drew, that's, that's it for today. Um, hopefully you guys have enjoyed and uh, have gotten even deeper in what the book's about. If you hadn't already, go pick up the book. Um, it is. This is by no means a. Here's what the book says. We no, we're having right. conversations that are around that, um, but are not that. Um, you know, don't get mad at me, but I haven't read the book, and part of the reason, <laughs> part of the reason I haven't done it is because I don't want to do that with this. I no. wanted this to be something that would add to right. the experience that you've got getting from the book, and that's so right. hopefully that's coming out for you guys. 
Uh, and if you do pick up the book, you're going to have even more insight into not only why Drew wrote it, um, but a little extra nuggets of stuff related to the topic. So, That's right. That's right. so yeah, um, real quick, tell them where they can find you, Drew, and we'll get out of here. Yeah. So I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Drew Sarah Cam Jax. And uh, you can find me online as well. I have a website, drewanderson.blog. And so uh, feel free to reach out to me and hit me up, and I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for hanging out and doing this. Glad we got to do it face-to-face. Yeah. It's been a fun time. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed. And uh, we'll see you next week for the next episode, uh, which will be Chapter 4.